oh, PRP, ah, it doesn't work. Well, yeah, it does, but you got to use the right dosage and things like that, you know? Hair transplants, you're going to go do plugs? What? No, I think that there's a way that we can do this to make it look natural, artistic, you know, so it doesn't look like something artificially created. This is Alan Bauman, and you're listening to the Lifestyles Podcast. Hey, my friends. Luke from LukeStory.com here. I've got an incredible episode for you today. It's number 456, Unlocking the Mystery of Hair Loss and All Methods of Restoration for Men and Women with Dr. Alan Bauman. And by the way, if you want all the content from each new episode delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday morning, here's what to do. Just visit LukeStory.com slash newsletter and enter your name and email, and I'll send you all the goods the moment new shows drop every week. Again, that's lukestory.com slash newsletter. All right, let's talk about our awesome guest. Dr. Alan J. Bauman is a full-time hair transplant surgeon who founded Bauman Medical in Boca Raton, Florida back in 1997. And since that time, he's treated nearly 30,000 patients and performed over 10,000 hair transplant procedures. So if you want to learn about the real causes of hair loss and every available option to get it back, keep on listening. And here's your obligatory topic summary. Differences in male and female hair loss and their treatments, the most common and often unknown causes of hair loss, where the hair loss is really hereditary, how testosterone pellets inserted into the scalp can help, Dr. Bauman's theory on hair as the luxury item of the body, and a barometer of your overall health, how to have a healthy scalp, PRP, placental matrix, and other cutting-edge treatment therapies offered at Bauman Medical. We also cover topicals like GHK peptides, C60, and methylene blue, Bauman's own turbo laser cap and Nutrafol nutritional supplements, the evolution of transplants, eyelash transplants, and so much more. So if you want to keep the hair you have or put some more of it back on your head, this is the show you've been waiting for. And by the way, Dr. Bauman's also got an awesome web store devoted to every viable solution for hair loss. We'll put this link in the show notes, or you can click your way right over to lukestory.com slash Bauman to get a free consultation when you purchase the Bauman Turbo Laser Cap. The site is definitely worth checking out, you guys. Lots of great info and products there. All right, you guys, let's all put our heads together and figure out this damn hair loss thing with Dr. Alan Bauman. Dr. Bauman, I'm excited to talk to you, man. I'm excited to be here. This, this is, is awesome. This is great. I'm so glad we got to do this in person. You know, sure. I, I like to track people down when we happen to be in the same city. And here we are uh, back in my original home city of Los Angeles. On the other side of this curtain here, there's actually some really beautiful weather, which I'm enjoying as a Texan now. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I remember why I stayed here for 32 years. Yep. I went to college in uh, Southern California. UC oh, you Riverside. Did? Yeah. So I have a lot of uh, friends and uh, even roommates from, from college who oh, are here I didn't in the local that. area. So we'll be connecting with them right this on. weekend too. Yeah. As well as with all the rest of the biohackers and such. Right on, man. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's get right into it. Sure. Um, so you're... You're one of the leading experts in hair restoration, and I would say probably hair preservation too, if, if that's fair, right? Absolutely. That's a big part of what we do, a huge part of what we do, right? Keeping the hair that you have as well as restoring hair that you lost. All right, cool. So the first question I have for you is, what are the stats on women's concerns with this issue versus men? Because I 
I never even realized until I started researching your work a little bit that this was also uh, something that's problematic for many females. Absolutely. So there's probably about 80 million to 90 million Americans out there who are dealing with hair loss. And it can happen to men. It can happen to women. And I think what most people don't realize is that, you know, it can have a very strong effect on women and there's no socially acceptable option for women with hair loss. And so 40% of my practice are female patients who don't want to use their hair. And that's always a surprising statistic for most. I'm surprised. Yeah. For those watching the video, that's my surprise face. Uh (laughs) Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it. I mean, I didn't know that and didn't think about, you know, my younger brother started losing his hair, I think, when he got sent, sent off to college, you know? And so he's just always had a shaved head. And I just know that's my brother, Andy. He's got a shaved head, you know? But sure. For many females, that would be not a great option. That's right. Not a socially acceptable option, yeah. unless you're Britney Spears, I guess, or uh, Sinead O'Connor <laughs> yeah. or something, you know, yeah. but those, those shouldn't be your hair heroes, right? Right. Um, but yeah, so men lose their hair starting anytime after puberty, right? It could be a receding hairline, thinning in the crown. And we all know what that looks like in women. Sometimes you can lose, they can lose 50% of their hair and it'll still look about the same, but they have to just style it differently, but so, it still has the same emotional effect. When women lose their hair, then is, is it not so much like the male pattern thing? It just starts to thin overall rather than, you know, getting receding hairline and the crown thinning and stuff. Is it kind of more of a systemic? So uh, let's make sure we're, we're talking on the same page. So okay. androgenetic alopecia, which is male and female pattern hair loss, is the most common type of hair loss. That's the most prevalent. And yes, it looks completely different in men and women when it gets started. So as we said, receding hairline in men could happen anytime after puberty. But for women, when they start losing their hair, sometimes it's just a volume issue or they're seeing excessive shedding or they're losing some coverage like in a part line in the front of their scalp. Usually it happens mostly in the front for women uh, first. So you're, it's a totally different look than someone with male pattern hair loss. Right, because over, over time, it can I don't see women too. that have my hairline. <laughs> right, exactly. But women can recede as well as they age and they go through perimenopause, menopause, and become postmenopausal. Their hairlines can change and can recede backwards. So we do have a lot of women that come to us to look for a more youthful hairline, whether it's density or even location. And then, of course, there's other things that could change the hairline in women, for example, like brow lift surgery things like that. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Yesterday here at the conference, I stopped by your booth and you had some diagnostic tool with video screens and stuff like that. And I reluctantly sat in the chair and (laughs) had a little (laughs) diagnosis. It wasn't as bad as I thought it might've been, but uh, tell me a little bit about, about- It didn't hurt. No, it didn't hurt. See, it's just an evaluation. It's it just like listening to your heartbeat, okay? But you, like when you see a magnification of your scalp, it looks like there's very little hair there. Yeah. Um, and I obviously for anyone listening and myself, I know this is like a vanity issue and one's self-worth hopefully is not derived on, you know, how much protein they have popping out of their scalp. But yeah, looking at that, I was like, ouch. So what is that diagnostic tool? How do you use it? How long it's been around? Stuff like yeah. that. So the, the tool is really exciting. It's the first AI-powered microscope. It's called Hair Metrics, made by Canfield. And what it enables us to do is we can take a small microscopic photo of the scalp. It gets sent up to the cloud and it comes back with a hair density measurement. And also it sorts all the hair in terms of caliber. So if it's a thick hair, over 90 microns, it's going to go in this category and it's tagged this color. If it's 60 to microns, a little bit smaller, it's in this category. If it's 30 to 60, it's in this category. Less than 30, it's red. No bueno. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. basically, luckily, I had screen, a lot of green on the screen, so I was like, okay. Yeah, green and dark green. Those are the colors that you want to see on the microscope. When it gets to yellow, that's miniaturized or smaller hairs, and then of course, red, not a great hair. So we use that tool to track your current hair loss status. So we'll look, for example, in your case, maybe the difference between the more permanent zones in the back of the scalp compared to areas that you might see some thinning, or maybe areas that are at risk for thinning and you don't even know what's going on in that zone. So it becomes not just a diagnostic tool initially, like what's going on and where, but also a benchmark, right? And as a biohacker, you want to know whatever intervention you're doing, is it improving? How much is it improving? And where? And that's what the measurements enable us to determine. That's cool because what I'm starting to understand about the whole hair restoration thing is that on the patient's part, the compliance is really important, right? And, and we'll get into some of the topicals and lasers and red light and stuff. But from what I've looked into it, it's not just like you go to a specialist and they're like, pour this cream on your head every night and you're good to go. There's protocols that one might want to adopt if they're pretty serious about keeping what they've got, right? So I think a diagnostic tool like that is really cool because it's kind of a reality check, right? Oh, absolutely. And then also motivating to keep you going if you're like, oh, Ian Mitchell, who was on the show before, I think I, I might have introduced you to him yeah. some months ago. He made this, um, I think it had a GHK peptide and C60 in it. And mm -hmm. he, he sent me some of it with the derma roller and mm -hmm. said, get, put it on for 20 minutes and get under the red light. And I did it a few times, but it was really difficult, you know, to keep up with that practice. Right. And even more so because I didn't really know. I mean, I trust him that it was, it's going to work. He showed me some before and after pictures sure. and stuff, but without me being able to see it on myself, it's kind of like, eh, has to be refrigerated, you know? So mm. I don't think of going to the refrigerator at 11 right. when I go to bed, so. Yeah, I think that diagnostic tools like the hair metrics and other things that we do, hair check measurements, it's another way that we can track what's going on, enable us to keep you honest over time and also determine what's working and what's not because every patient is different. If you're not getting a response from the first line therapies, well, that's when we have to dig deeper and maybe go into something else. Or if you're having a, an issue with being able to put the medication on your scalp, let's say it's a topical and it was like messing up your hairstyle. That's not good. So let's find some other way to get that medication or another modality and we can shift gears. Right on. Yeah. Let's talk about the causes of hair loss. There's a lot of misinformation out there and it gets very confusing. I mean, if you just do a web search, what causes hair loss? You're going to get lost in all kinds of rabbit holes that oh, yeah. probably will take you nowhere quickly. So hereditary, dietary, like what from your perspective is actually at the root of this? Yeah. So a hair follicle is a very, very highly metabolic organ right? And the niche, which is all of the neighborhood cells that are in the area, which includes the adipose tissue, the blood supply, nerve endings, a little muscle that makes it pull, you know, all of these different things have an impact both locally and distant on the follicle. So your lifestyle, your habits, your nutrition status, um, your stress level, your sleep-wake cycles, all of that, and including hereditary risk factors, form the basis of what's going to be happening to your hair over time. So when we talk about hereditary hair loss, that's the DNA. That's going to be your genetic sensitivity to certain hormones in your body. So as you age, those hormones are degrading the hair follicle function. The hair follicle is going to weaken over time. But all those other lifestyle factors can also have an impact. Now, how much are the lifestyle factors versus the hereditary factors affecting your hair? Well, it's different for every person. It's different for men versus women. For example, women may have more sensitive hair follicles. So an issue with their nutrition might impact the hair more drastically, more dramatically than let's say a male patient. And then there's all the other things like illness, 
COVID was a huge trigger for hair loss over the past two years. Really? The mRNA vaccines, which uh. dysregulate your immune system. So there's an autoimmune component to hair loss. And the microvasculature, the spike protein can sometimes dysregulate that. So, so business has been booming. <laughs> well, practice, you know, I look, I treat about 1,500 patients per year through the door at Bauman Medical. We've treated over 30,000 patients. And the practice has always wow. grown over the years. Yeah. And um, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, I've personally treated over 1,000 COVID-related hair loss patients over the past, wow. uh, you know, 18 to 24 months. I guess that has a lot to do with the, the metabolic drain, as you were saying, the requirements of energy to keep your hair going. And if your energy is being depleted by some illness, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. I guess, that, you know, and that brings us to even some of the types of therapies. People say, oh, well, it's just the genetic sensitivity to this body's hormone, which is the DHT for men. That's the primary trigger. But yeah, I mean, there are first-line therapies that handle that issue, but then behind that are all the other things that we do in the practice to take a more holistic approach, if you will, a lifestyle approach and functional medicine approach to right. hair loss. Yeah, I was perusing your website and saw that you had a lot of information about just functional medicine and lifestyle choices and things like that, which is cool. Are there a lot of people out there doing what you do that are able to approach this surgically? and also incorporate so much of the lifestyle? Or are you kind of unique in that sense? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I've always been kind of a unicorn in the field because I've taken a very proactive approach dating back decades in terms of prevention. So not just a hair transplant surgeon, I'm not just board certified in hair transplant surgery. I feel like I'm a hair restoration physician. And that was a term that really wasn't used over 20 years ago. But because we use medications, medical therapies, and I was one of the first to recommend low-level laser light therapy or photobiomodulation oh, really? back in 1999. I got my first in laser 99? devices. Wow. Yeah, we imported the first laser hoods in 1999 from Sweden. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of the, text, the textbook was written by like an acupuncturist he, describing how laser therapy works on the skin. But we saw great results with those in-office treatments. But obviously, the patients had to come back in, you know, several times a week to get the results. Right, right. Um, back, so I've always been very proactive. I guess yeah. that's important. So taking yeah. care of the long-term issue of the ongoing progression as we age, right? Protecting the follicle function. And of course, if the follicle's missing or gone or too far gone, if you will, but you know, non, you can't be rejuvenated, then that's when the transplant comes into play. Okay. I definitely want to get into that because I, I was watching some videos on that and I'm like, whoa, that is probably the most tedious thing I can imagine doing. Just, hair by hair? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, that. I know you've got some robotics and stuff and we'll yeah. get into that, but um, I'm going to go back to the hereditary element. Mm -hmm. Is there any truth to this that you get hair loss from your mom's side of the family or is that just like folklore? Yeah, they used to say like your mother's father will determine right. your follicular fate and that's certainly not the case. We know that there's so many different contributions today when it comes to what you inherit from your mom's side or your dad's side, the color, the curl of your hair, the thickness of the hair. Whether you're going to have male or female pattern hair loss and other conditions that could affect the hair follicle can come from both sides of the family. The onset, when is the hair loss going to be visible to the naked eye? How fast is it going to progress? All of those things are hereditary. And one of the things that we do now is actually some deep genetic testing to determine different metabolic pathways that might influence hair follicle function or make some treatments better than others for you. Oh, wow. That's cool. So I did genetic testing for hair loss risk over 10 years ago. It was the first genetic uh, hair loss risk test that was available. And also androgen sensitivity testing, something that you can do looking at the DNA. But today, 
the trico test is definitely the deep dive into the metabolic pathways of hair loss. And so that's the personalized precision medicine approach to the treatment of hair loss that we have today. How would someone get this trico test? So trico test is easy to order on the website. It's not a big deal. But the problem is, is that the results of that test are not so user-friendly. So it's not really direct to consumer. I would say it needs a little bit of interpretation. It needs to be looked at in terms of first-line therapies, second-line therapies, and taken in conjunction with whatever your lifestyle factors are, therapies you're on currently, things that you've tried or failed on in terms of hair regrowth. So I would just... I would caution your listeners, like if you want to know that genetic information, get the test, but it also comes with the consultation. So like, let me interpret it for you and and go through the process. And you guys have that test available? Yeah. Okay, cool. And before I forget, uh, if you guys go to lukestory.com slash bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N, lukestory.com slash bauman, uh, you'll find any resources and offers and things like that that we talk about here. I didn't even know you guys had that. That's cool. Then with the hormones, kind of in the functional medicine realm here, um, many people listening have probably by now had their hormones tested and they're looking at all of that and adjusting their supplementation and diet and movement and all that. Is there any kind of universal low-hanging fruit in terms of if your hormone panel looks like this, like your central or main hormones, you're going to have issues with hair loss? Like if I had my testosterone and my free testosterone check, for example, could you be able to tell something just from that and tell well, someone, okay, you need to work on raising your testosterone? Yeah. I wish there was a simple biomarker for hair loss, like just a lab <laughs> test, you know, that That's you could what just I'm go, for, yeah. Man. Okay. So but here's the thing. So <laughs> okay. testosterone gets converted into DHT, dihydrotestosterone in the body. And when you're sensitive to DHT at the level of the hair follicle, that's the trigger for miniaturization. So DHT is the culprit. I don't think any male would like that term, miniaturization, by the way. Right. You don't want anything to miniaturize, (laughs) right? Nothing. Everything's got to be good. So miniaturization is what occurs at the level of the follicle in response to DHT. And how fast or how quick that happens, that's what the hereditary genetic um, tendency is going to going to elucidate. But there's other hormone dysregulation that could occur that could affect your hair. And women, sometimes we see uh, thyroid abnormalities and other issues. So a deep dive into your biomarkers can help figure out what's going on. And once those hormones are optimized, let's just say you're a male patient, you're in your 50s and you're on hormone replacement therapy. Be mindful that if you're supplementing your testosterone to bring it back up to normal range or better, that's going to convert to DHT. So you could have been decreasing your natural DHT production over time just by getting older. And now that would have been good for your hair or slowing down hair loss. And now you're increasing your testosterone exogenously, right? From the outside, you're injecting creams, whatever. And then that's getting converted to DHT. That's going to miniaturize your hair maybe faster. Oh, So if you're on hormone replacement, let's say with pellets or something, and, and you let's just say get overdosed or get you receive a lot of testosterone, which sometimes happens with pellet stacking, you can trigger a lot of hair loss, not every time, but sometimes if you're overdosed and if you're super sensitive to it. So that's where the genetics can sometimes sabotage you, right? And also if you're not really carefully looking at your testosterone levels. Response. Tell people about these pellets. I forgot about those. I've, I've never tried them. But um, so you some know, people so, probably won't know what that is. Yeah, I, I'm not an expert in, yeah. in hormone replacement therapy, but you know, you can get testosterone replacement with a cream. That was probably the first thing that happened. Androgels, right, and then injections. That gives you kind of a slow dose, right, over the week. You, some people do it once a week or twice a week, and you can also have pellets implanted. So these are slow releasing testosterone pellets. And if you're really low on testosterone, you may get like two or three pellets at a time, uh, potentially okay. initially, and then 
oh my gosh, if you're, God forbid, overdosing on it, right? Uh, maybe you're having accelerated hair loss. And this can happen in women too who are getting hormone replacement therapy because women get testosterone replacement as well for all different great benefits, right? But if a woman is sensitive to female pattern hair loss, that extra testosterone pellet can sometimes cause a recession of the hairline, thinning throughout, shedding, other symptoms. So, got it, got but it. the good news is that the pellets wear off. And so just, you know, if that happened to you, it's okay. Just let those pellets, you know, wear down and then like, don't do too many stacked on top of one another, right? Be a little bit more mindful about that. And let's get on some kind of therapy to help block that DHT effect. Ah, right? how, so there's medications. How would one do that? The, oh, there's medications? Yeah. How? So medications are one of the primary therapies, right? Okay. So finasteride has been available in the form of Propecia years ago. It was the first FDA approved oral medication for male pattern baldness. It can also be used in women postmenopausal but it's dangerous for women of childbearing age because of a risk to developing male fetus. So okay. it is a prescription medication. It should be used with caution, but know the risks and the benefits. Talk to your hair restoration board, certified hair restoration physician about I think that. a lot of people listening to this show probably think it, anything pharmaceutical is all risk. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Well, let's talk about that. But we think about, I mean, I think about something like Accutane, right? You know, my, one of my brothers, yeah. not the one who lost his hair, but the other one when he's a teenager, he had acne, he used Accutane and it jacked him up, you know? And at the time it was like a godsend, right? In terms of the benefits, but we don't know the side effects until some time later. But yeah, yeah. Well, Accutane is, a no, is notorious for hair loss. So a lot of patients come in having used Accutane as a teenager for acne, and then all of a sudden their hair is doing terrible. Really? Yeah. So Accutane is awful for hair regrowth. I mean, it's just terrible. But let's talk about finasteride because okay. I know, yes, your, your, your viewers, your listeners may be totally anti-pharmaceutical, but again, they're going to dig into, well, what exactly does this pharmaceutical do? And what are the real risks and the benefits? And sometimes that's where it gets confusing on the internet, right? Because yeah. all of a sudden you see a very small percentage of patients who have side effects, let's say 2% that have side effects. Well, 2% out of millions of patients, I mean, that's a lot of noise on the internet, right? And so what are the benefits of being on finasteride? If you're a male patient, why should you consider finasteride as soon as possible? Well, because it's the strongest tool in the toolbox. It's the strongest it really? treatment that we have Oh wow! because it reduces that DHT level, which would then protect the follicles, right? Okay. 90% of folks on that medication get a positive effect. That's pretty good for a pharmaceutical, you know, 90% success rate. It's a lot better than many of the popular ones right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And even, uh, you know, our preventative therapies, right? For, yeah. you know, our favorite virus. But anyway, yeah. my point is, is that finasteride orally at the correct dose works 90% of the time. Five out of six guys are going to stop losing hair. Two out of three are going to see some regrowth. But what are the risks? 2% of patients are going to see mild and temporary sexual side effects. So those side effects could be decreased libido. Isn't that funny how that works? erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I'm thinking this guy's like, man, my hair looks great. I got a date tonight. Oops. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, the ratio there, though, is pretty good. Side effect versus benefit. And to be fair to the pharmaceutical industry, I mean, there's times where I'm happy to take drugs or go see, you know, an allopathic doctor by all means, you know, sometimes you just, you need it. You need the big guns and yeah. it's worth it. So the good news is, is that if you did, let's say have a side effect, let's say you tried finasteride or Propecia when it first came out and let's say you had a side effect, we can actually now apply that medication topically through compounding pharmacy. So you don't have to take it orally. There's no, not, no major systemic absorption. Oh, wow. Much less risk of side effects, uh, almost negligible and still get a powerful hair regrowth effect right on the scalp. Wow, yeah. that's bad. So that's the nuance, right, mm -hmm. that we have today mm -hmm. that sometimes gets lost in the noise on the internet 
you know, about, oh my God, it's anti-finasteride. I can't, you know, we can't yeah. have finasteride at all. Uh, with this, what is it? FHT? DHT. DHT. Dihydrotestosterone. DHT. That's the bad guy. Okay. With the DHT, if, if your hormones are dysregulated mm -hmm. too much, too little of that, whatever, and you're having that go on and you talk about like losing that hair, if that follicle loses a hair, does that by definition mean that it's toast forever unless you did replacement? No, let's talk about what happens at the level of the follicle because okay. there's some misconception about like when the hair sheds out that like, oh my God, the hair is gone. Well, that's not really how the follicle works. Hair follicles have cycles. They turn on and turn off. And over the course of your life, they're going to go through a growing phase, right? A hair production phase. Think of it like a 3D printer making a hair fiber. The hair fiber is dead tissue, kind of like your fingernail, right? And the follicles under the skin making that fiber. It's going to work for about five to seven years. That's the antigen or growth phase. And then it turns off and takes a rest. And it takes about 90 days for it to reboot. They call that catagen and then telogen. And so telogen is that resting phase where the hair is shed in between telogen and the next antigen, right? So the shedding is going to happen every single day. About 100 to 200 hairs from a healthy scalp is normal and is not super concerning. Really? But if you're seeing some increase in shedding, more, more hair in the drain, in the brush, in the bed pillow, whatever, you know, then you need to take some action, get some measurements going on. Okay, cool. Yeah. But cool. so my point is, is that when DHT is affecting the follicle, each successive cycle of the hair follicle becomes shorter. So what happens? You get a miniaturized hair. You get a shorter, thinner, weaker, wispier hair over time. And then eventually the hair is so short, so depigmented, that follicle can never be rejuvenated. It's like beyond repair. It becomes like a follicle that you have on your cheek. You know, it's invisible sure, to the sure. naked eye. It's just producing what they call a vellus hair. Okay. And That's no bueno. Okay. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. you want to pride to prevent that. <laughs> and so if, if you've gone to that stage, then, then surgical restoration transplant is going to be your only option, really. Like there's no, there's no bringing that back once it gets to that point. Correct. Correct. But okay. we, you know, we want to dovetail and, you know, look, if you're not going to be doing pharmaceutical interventions and maybe you're doing red light therapy, maybe you're doing those lifestyle changes, trying to get better sleep, better nutrition. Maybe you're doing a regenerative treatment like PRP, platelet rich plasma or PDO grow or exosome therapy to stimulate those follicles, you know, without surgery. So you don't want to let it get to that point, but mm -hmm. yes, the vellus hair is the point of no return. Okay. That's when you're going to need some degree of transplantation to okay. fix, the, fix okay, the density cool. issue. A common request from Lifestylist listeners is a breakdown of my top five non-negotiable supplements. After a couple decades of research, I'd have to say that vitamin K2 easily makes that list. Nearly every American adult has insufficient levels of vitamin K2. It's simply not available in the modern Western diet. Why does this matter? Well, a K2 deficiency can cause major issues, including coronary artery disease, heart disease, bone spurs, kidney stones and liver stones, plaque in your heart vessels, and even major cardiac events. In 1990, the Rotterdam study looked at people from eastern Japan who consumed high amounts of K2. More than 8,400 participants were given 50 micrograms of natural K2 on a daily basis for more than 10 years, and the results were insane. Participants of the study showed a 50% decrease in cardiovascular events and mortality, a 25% decrease in all-cause mortality, and finally a 25% increased rate of living longer and healthier. It's crazy what they found in this study. So now you can see why I'm into taking K2 every single day of my life. And my favorite source is from a company called Just Thrive. 
Their vitamin K2 is the only product on the market with 320 micrograms of pharmaceutical grade K2-7, which is the optimal daily amount. This is the K2 I use and trust because it's microbiologist formulated and clinically tested and supports healthy heart, circulation, brain, bones, and nerves, and even encourages healthy blood sugar levels. So for exceptional gut and immune health, there's nothing like Just Thrive. And right now you can get 15% off everything Just Thrive carries when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use the code LUKE15 at checkout. That's justthrivehealth.com and the code is LUKE15. Have you heard anything about parasites being the root cause of hair loss? Parasites. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't come across a lot of parasitic infection in my practice. So I can't speak from, you know, personal experience, but I would imagine if something is affecting your health, right? And your body is fighting off a parasite, or maybe if it's a gut parasite or something and you're having poor digestion, you can imagine there's a whole domino effect of health related effects from that. And hair follicles, remember, we talked about that super sensitive to inflammation in the body, Mm -hmm. to uh, dysregulation, uh, sleep-wake cycles. So there's so many different things that could basically screw up your hair production, right? And turn off that 3D printer, right? (laughs) So wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Infection I, I think, can cause it. I mean, look, okay. it's a viral infection, bacterial infection, parasitic infection. If your body's working to fight something else, then it goes into kind of a defensive mode and it directs its attention to those more critical functions of the body. And that's one of the reasons why we see hair falling out from all different reasons. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah, someone mentioned that to me as a possibility. And I believe, if I remember right, it was related to mineral regulation and that the parasites are going to gobble up a lot of your minerals. And, and that was kind of the cascade effect of that. So, But the way, you, the way you frame it makes sense. It's like anything your body's fighting against and struggling with is less energy it's going to have to do its job, which is to put hair on your head, or at least one of its jobs. Yeah. I, I th- always think of hair. I tell my patients, a hair is kind of like the luxury item of the body. <laughs> right. You know, like if something's going wrong, like all of a sudden you're not going to make hair, right? And so why yeah. is that? I think that hair is like just a very, very important barometer of your health. Mm-hmm. It's a very, like I said, a highly metabolic, sensitive organ. It's rapidly dividing. I mean, it's one of the most highly uh, metabolic cell populations in the body. Think about if you went on chemotherapy, what happens? Your gut lining starts to shut down, right? Highly metabolic and replaces itself every day. Your bone marrow, right? That's when you start to get anemic and your, your immune system gets shut down and your hair falls out. So why are those three things affected by cancer therapy? It's because they're all highly metabolic. Interesting. Okay. You mentioned um, loss of pigmentation and that wasn't even in, in my notes, but now that you mentioned that, what do you know about people going gray? Yeah. So wow, it's prevalent, right? And um, hair color industry is a gazillion dollar industry, right? I mean, it's big, right? It's huge because people want color to make their hair look more youthful. And so it's obviously desirable, right? So just like people want a healthy looking head of hair in terms of volume and quantity of hair, they also want, and that's normal, right? We're hardwired for that because hair makes us look good and feel good. Most of the time as our hair starts to change or lose its color, people want to either try to figure out why, fight against that. The bad news is that there's no like miracle cure for going gray, right? But we think that there may be things that are 
been studied in the research that kind of elucidate what's going on at the level of the hair follicle. So the bottom line is that, yes, hair color is kind of the quick fix for that, but chemical processing and using color on your scalp can have other effects. These extrinsic effects on the hair follicle can seep into the skin and, and you know, be not so good, dysregulate the hair follicle as well. What are the kinds of therapies that they've seen in the in the research lab that work? So there's been a lot of studies on catalase. There's been some studies on rapamycin and hair pigmentation. And a lot of this research is just in the primordial stage. So I would say if someone's out there looking for some cure for hair color, be careful. You know, there's a lot of snake oil out there. Yeah. There's not a lot of solid scientific studies that show that these things work. Copper peptide is one of those that kind of comes up a lot. Oh, okay. You know, the old-fashioned and ancient Chinese fo- he show wu. wu. That's what I was going to say. Mr. Dark Hair. You yeah, know, that's yeah. It. That's what he show wu means, right? It's Mr. Dark Hair. I was going to mention that in, in Chinese yeah. medicine. And you hear things about shilajit and, you know, different kind of Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine yeah. herbs and things. Like, if you take this, you'll never go gray. And- so I'll tell you just from my experience of been to Beijing, there's a lot of people with gray hair there. So I don't think the Chinese figured it out. You know, maybe okay. it's lost in translation somewhere. Right. But yeah, I don't think they figured it out yet. They right. still got a lot of gray hair. Speaking of, uh, you know, hair dye and permanent solutions, hair straightening solutions, mm. do those have a, a negative impact on, you know, the volume of hair and hair loss? Well, absolutely. Those kinds of chemical solutions can have a detrimental effect on scalp health. And so we know in certain populations that do relaxing agents, for example, over and over and over again, African-American population will use relaxing agents to straighten the kinky hair. So it becomes more manageable, easier to deal with. And, you know, and for aesthetic purposes as well, they may want to change their hairstyle. But the problem is that overuse, consistent use of those kinds of relaxing agents can cause a lot of damage at the level of the scalp. And that causes other types of alopecias, other types of hair loss, scarring alopecias. Oh, really? Yeah. Where the follicles are completely obliterated, replaced with scar tissue. And, you know, in many cases, it's very difficult to restore those areas, even through transplantation. If the, oh, if no the skin has been damaged in so that it's way. Kind of, it's like a like a burn almost, it sounds like. Yes. A chemical a, burn. Yes, that's what we think. There's a chemical burn uh, component to those chemical treatments. What about hair lightening? Uh, when people want to go blonde or platinum and stuff. Look, so... In my practice, obviously, as I told you, 40% of my patients are women and most women do color their hair. So I, I would be in big, pretty big trouble if I told all my women, that you can't color your hair. So we, we know the aesthetic value of hair color and we know the aesthetic value of, of treatments of your hair to change the curl, you know, whether it's you're straightening it or curling it. So I would just say you have to use those treatments carefully and monitor your scalp health. In fact, at Bauman Medical, we have a complete department. That's all they do. My trichology department and trichology lab monitors and evaluates and optimizes scalp health. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> you guys a, are yeah, hardcore. Have a full t- yeah, I have a full department. You know, wow. I have a, a certified trichologist, certified hair coach, Kim Jenkins, and she can do a measurements of your scalp that include pH level, moisture level, sebum level. We can look for micro, uh, microorganism overgrowth and things like that and figure out what's going on. So if patients who are out there are people with scalp symptoms, right? Itchy, flaky, dry, oily scalp. Let's evaluate that, figure out what's going on because that can impact the hair growth as well. Oh, wow. You said microorganisms. Are people having microorganisms in their scalp? Scalp? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So scalp contains, just like the skin, a microbiome, right? So we've talked a lot about microbiome of the gut. Yeah. Well, there's a scalp microbiome as well. And when there's an overgrowth of certain microorganisms like yeast, for example, that's the primary trigger for dandruff. 
seborrheic dermatitis ah. is an overgrowth of certain microorganisms where the when the diversity reduces, you get overgrowth of one species. That's what's triggering seborrheic dermatitis, which is inflammation at the level of the scalp. These microorganisms feed on the exfoliated skin cells and the sebum that's being produced. And oh, there's different therapies and treatments for that. Okay. Sometimes it's an incidental finding. The patient comes in with hair loss concerns and we're digging through the scalp. We're like, geez, you know, you, your scalp is inflamed. It's flaky dandruffy. He's like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I see that, you know. Well, let's get that fixed before we start with hair growth treatments. You know, that's it. like foundational. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That first. Do you think that excessive use of a hair dryer, even drying one's head with a towel, is going to have any you know long term negative impact on the volume of your hair? Um, again, there's aesthetic value to using a blow dryer to dry the hair. Excessive heat can actually dry out the hair fiber and make it more prone to breakage. But you don't want to style your hair when it's wet either. It's more fragile in that time. So we actually uh, at one point had special types of towels. Uh, oh, really? And, yeah, that we would recommend almost like turbans to absorb the water, just kind of be more gentle with your hair. And I think it's just a good plan to, if you're trying to grow better, thicker hair and your hair is like prone to be fragile, that you better just be careful with it, whether it's heat or how you dry it or how you style it, what chemicals you use. That's that's a reason to, t- to chat with either a board certified hair restoration physician or my trichologist, you know, to okay. handle those kinds of questions. Cool, cool. Yeah, I just, yeah. as I've gotten older and my hair starts to thin, I, I notice I get out of the shower and I'm, I'm a little more ginger about the way, you know, I yeah. dry my hair with a towel. I used to just like scrub it, you know, and get out of there. And now I'm like, yeah. oh, pat it down a little bit, you know. Well, I, I mean, you may be going overboard, okay. let's be honest. Okay. But, um, you know, because some degree of scalp massage can actually trigger hair growth. There's some actual studies that show that mechanical manipulation of the scalp improves hair growth. Improves oh, circulation. Right, so, right. you know, you may be thinking, oh, I'm just going to treat my hair more gently. Yeah. And for women, especially, sometimes they decide, well, I'm not going to comb it out. I'm not going to brush it out or I'm going to put it in a ponytail or whatever, really light ponytail. And then when they take out that ponytail or they decide to shampoo and brush it out, it's like they got a handful of hair and it's, and they think that that's severe hair loss, but actually that's just all the hair that would normally have shed each day that they wouldn't normally notice a lot of it. Now it's all in one spot. Oh, one day, Once a week, it's like a thousand hairs. I think we, we forget that you're going to be losing hair all the time, even if you're not set for, you know, some sort of pattern baldness. I mean, when you look in the shower drain, right? Every couple of weeks, it's like, where'd all that come from? Yeah. Shedding can be a disturbing symptom, right? Because it's like the physical embodiment of the hair leaving your head, right? Yeah. No, that's not a good feeling, right? Nobody wants right. to see that in the shower drain. But remember that treatments like laser light, even platelet-rich plasma, the regenerative treatments, or starting a, a prescription minoxidil, a topical medication can trigger shedding phase as the new hairs are coming in and pushing out the old ones. So a lot of people stop their regimen right at the time that it's working because they mistake the shedding uh, as okay. loss, when actually that's the symptom of the regrowth that they're getting from the therapy. Wow. God, that's why the measurements are critical. Yeah. And I can see there's a lot of education needed in this. If someone's kind of serious about going down this path, it's yeah. like you need someone like you who knows what they're doing that can guide you because you could freak out, you know, or be like me and not want to towel dry my hair too hard. And you're like, you're probably you're okay. Right. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, you're that's, okay, man. You can, you can go back to towel drying your hair. You know? you know, you don't, I don't think you need a turban at this moment. That's you hilarious. Know, you're doing okay. Um, back to the nutrition piece. Are there any just universally positive supplements one can take that are known to support 
um, you know, just the strength of your hair, longevity of your hair? Yeah, there's a lot that we can do. So, you know, I always ask my patients, are you on some kind of caloric restrictive regimen? Are you on some special, and I say extreme diet, and we all know what these are, right? So if you're doing extensive fasting or things like that, you may actually be protein deficient and you need protein to grow hair. I mean, that's what the hair is. It's keratin protein. So if you're protein deficient, you're not going to be growing good hair at all. So we do recommend our own collagen peptide uh, supplement. That's uh, oh, cool. uh, it's called the Builder. It's under the Bauman brand and it's part of our wellness system for hair. And we have like a number of different components to that system, but that's one of the foundational ones. Awesome. It's simple and easy. You can throw a scoop of collagen in your coffee, your tea, your juice. You can throw it on whatever, you know, your oatmeal, and uh, you're going to get that boost of collagen peptides. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that's foundational. Okay. Uh, I also like a multivitamin, B-complex, biotin is also a good supplement. Those are some of the basics. Now okay. we can get more nuanced with nutritional supplementation in terms of probiotics, which regulate the immune system, right? Because we don't want to overdo. We don't want to have an overblown immune response to anything. We want to keep that tamped down in, mm -hmm. in our health. And we also want good absorption. So we have a probiotic called the good guys. You know, there's other nutritionals, which I would consider more like defensive, right? So things that boost your immune system so that you don't get COVID or less likely to perhaps, or that you stay healthier or things that are like stress adaptogens, like ashwagandha. These are more nuanced Ayurvedic herbs and things like that that okay. we have. That one's called the Zen master. So there's a whole variety of things that we have in my particular system to address not only like a positive impact on the hair, but also like a defense right? To kind of hold off these other influences. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. But look, you want to make sure you're not iron deficient and you know, that you have a well-balanced diet. And that goes along with all the other lifestyle factors, right? That you're sleeping well and, and taking care of yourself and being mindful and, you know, get that, get that stress cortisol under control, yeah. you know, spike it when you need it, but get it down when you need to, you know, that you got to get that yeah. stimulation and then the rest and digest at the same the time. The stress and hair loss thing is definitely real because I noticed, uh, I had a really stressful year and a half, which I'm now maybe a few months out of moving to just moving my life to Texas and mm -hmm. renovating the house and stuff, man. And I could swear, I mean, you, you don't know if it's causation or correlation, but I'm like, I definitely lost some hair in that period more so than just like aging another year and a half. Cause I was just, I was so stressed out and just so busy. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for just the lifestyle part of it, right? If you're using ashwagandha and, you know, yeah. getting your magnesium up and you can do that, but there's a certain degree of commitment one must have to meditation and breath work and just learning how to self-regulate so you're not oh, in that yeah. fight or flight, you know, high cortisol response all the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no question that we see patients who are under physiologic stress or perceived stress, which is psychologic stress, experience hair shedding phases. So shedding, we've talked so much about this telogen effluvium, I want to make sure I get the terminology out there, is a synchronized shed. And that can happen if you have a high fever, infection, as we've talked about, childbirth, a general surgery operation, uh, or a change in residence is a very, very common trigger. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's literally that's on, on the list. Wow. Uh, or job change, right, right? right? Or change in marital status change in financial status. So these are all major stressors, right? That things that keep us up at night, you know, we don't eat the same, we don't take care of ourselves the same. When these things are happening, we're in a state of flux, right? And so our body is a little bit out of balance and that can definitely trigger a shedding phase. Now, how okay. quickly you rebound, if you do rebound, that is determined by your baseline genetics. Because I, for example, I have patients, right? The female comes in, uh, 
had a baby six months ago. They're done nursing, all this business. And they had a massive shed six weeks out from the from childbirth. And the shedding is still going on and maybe slowed down a little bit, but it's kind of revealed this underlying. And so we would hope that that would resolve, right? And everything would be back to normal and great and good within the next year. But sometimes it doesn't happen. So why is that? Why did that childbirth effect reveal an underlying tendency towards female pattern hair loss? We don't really know the answer, but sometimes it's like, as you stack these things against the hair follicle, sometimes you have more than one diagnosis. Right. Multifactorial. Yeah. So COVID, you know, all of a sudden, you know, their male pattern hair loss was going slowly, 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 then boom, COVID twice in a year. And now it's like accelerated dramatically. Right. So what are we going to do about that? Well, some of that hair might be beyond repair. It's not going to bounce back without therapy. Okay. I've been pretty much obsessed with the principles of quantum energy for years. Before any particle manifests physically, it exists as pure quantum energy. And that includes our bodies. And every person constantly interacts with other quantum energy fields. But things like EMF and toxic air, food, and water diminish our body's energy. And this, my friends, is why I use Leela Quantum products every day. Walk through my house and you'll see them everywhere. Like the quantum block on our kitchen island, for example, which we use to charge our food, drink, and supplements to increase their nourishing potential. Leela Quantum develops and studies its quantum products to help mitigate harmful EMF effects, activate the body's self-healing powers, and strengthen our biofield. The pure quantum energy they use is also part of every cell. It's a form of source energy. It's natural and very real. And there's a long list of randomized, placebo-controlled, single- and double-blind studies proving the many effects of Leela Quantum products. Leela Q products neutralize EMF, optimize HRV, and improve the blood. This has been shown in the various studies to which I referred, as you can see for yourself right on their website. To upgrade your life with Leela Quantum's pure quantum energy right now, visit LeelaQ.com and get 10% off your first order with the code LUKE10. That's L-E-E-L-A-Q, LeelaQ.com. All right, let's get into some of the topicals first. I know you guys are doing some really interesting stuff. And then we'll close it out with the, when you really need the big guns and you're going to be getting into the surgical zone. Mm -hmm. So some things that I've used or heard about, uh, and you mentioned a couple of these would be uh, peptides and of course the PRP stem cells. And then you guys are using something you alluded to earlier, PDO grow. Explain, you know, kind of how this stuff all fits. Yeah. Yeah. All all this kind of stuff that can actually be injected or microneedled into the scalp. So sometimes when people say topicals, they think of uh, Rogaine, right? Because you can buy that at at CVS or Walgreens, right? So obviously there's compounded topicals. Does that work, by the way? So Rogaine contains minoxidil. Okay. Right? But the problem is, is that a lot of folks don't have the enzyme activity in their skin to convert minoxidil to minoxidil sulfate. So about 30 to 40% of people don't get a great response from over-the-counter Rogaine. Uh, okay. We can figure that out through the trico test, as we er- mentioned earlier, that, that sulfotransferase activity metabolic pathway is one of the things that the trico test looks at. Or we could prescribe something that ramps up that activity in the skin, like a compounded version of minoxidil. So our quality compounded minoxidil concoctions, if you will, are always going to be more powerful and more well-tolerated than the over-the-counter. Okay. We're going to eliminate the irritating ingredients. We're going to include other ingredients that potentiate or increase the hair growth response. We can even put finasteride in the topicals, as we talked about before. Oh, cool. So that's kind of that, you know, 
pharmaceutical stuff, right? Got it, got it. And then the other topicals that you mentioned would be like uh, peptides. So peptides can be applied injected. They can be applied like as a cream or, or a serum, and they can also be microneedled in. We have a newer technology now that can actually push peptides through the skin at high volume without a needle. Do you have one of those downstairs? Yeah. So okay, that's yeah, Ted. I was looking at that. Yeah, so that's Ted. So that's like the least invasive in-office therapy that you can dream of. How does it do that without breaking the skin? Yeah, so it's really cool, brand new technology. So ultrasonic waves, which are sound waves, are the same types of things that you use like as a jewelry cleaner or, you know, ultrasonic toothbrush, you know, sure. you know that buzzing sound, right? So those are ultrasonic waves. And what they can do at the correct frequencies is break up the stratum corneum temporarily. So for your followers and listeners, the stratum corneum is that moisture barrier of cells and lipids. That's just, you know, microns under the skin, the very, very top layer, just under the dead skin cells. There's a tight moisture barrier. So the reason why when you like go in the shower that the water rolls off your skin, okay. you don't absorb <laughs> yeah. it like a sponge, right. you know? So- when you use ultrasonic waves, it disrupts that brick and mortar barrier temporarily. Wow. And then that ultrasonic system, that ultrasonic delivery tool can also help push the serums with pressure right through the skin. Wow. So it's doing kind of two things. It's pr you can prime the skin, right? Make it more permeable temporarily. You apply the serum and then use the tool again to push it powerfully. Wow. The skin. So That's this cool. is brand new technology that can be used in dermatology and, and so many different areas of medicine, probably head to toe. And uh, I had a quick chat with Amy Killen uh, about where she wants to use this ultrasonic technology. Yeah. So don't even ask, you know? Yeah. You know, well, Amy Killen. Got the other, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dr. Killen's got the other head covered, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but did, we're working on the scalp, you know? She did some stem cells for me a year ago and I always joke, you know, she's the only woman that's ever put a hypodermic needle into my penis, yes. Okay. So yeah, Actually, you know what they did? I think they did my scalp she, when I was yeah, there. She, at yeah. She's a certified hair coach, so yeah, uh, yeah she's well qualified to do that yeah. as well. So, but TED, <laughs> transepidermal delivery, is this new technology. We're one of the first in the country to have it in Boca Raton at the practice right wow. in South Florida. So that's going to be a little bit different than what most people have heard of in terms of PRP, platelet-rich plasma. It's just an easier method to apply these hair growth serums. So what's in the serum? Everybody wants to know. So I, you know, we know that there's like 30 to 50 or 35 ingredients in the serum and it comes sterile. It was carefully curated in Italy uh, by some very, very clever chemists and researchers. It contains not only amino acids and growth factors like VEGF, which is important for new blood vessel formation and increase in circulation, but it has a thymus and beta-4 derivative. So TB4 is very well known in the clinical literature for hair growth and probably most importantly, copper peptide. Nice. So we're going to deliver a lot of that thymus and beta-4 derivative and the copper peptide and the, um, and the VEGF directly through the skin along with amino acids and the stabilizers and such, which keep it sterile and protect from UV light and things like that. Yeah. So wow. It's, so it's, you, know, you can't just like you know, pull a serum off the shelf and think that that's going to work yeah. you know, using TED. These serums right. are very, very carefully created so that they stay where they're supposed to as we're doing the treatment. And obviously they stay well-preserved on the shelf as well. This is another critical factor. A lot of people don't realize that some of these components, especially peptides, are very fragile molecules. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that they have stabilizers in there. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting some unconstituted or pre-constituted peptides, like the little powder, and it 
instructed you when you put the back water in there to mm-hmm. not stir it up, you know, to very gently inject mm-hmm. the, the water in to constitute. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's interesting, you know? Yeah. You don't, yeah, you yeah. don't want to like shake yeah. it up like, you yeah. know. Yeah, I was like, that's funny. Like you a know? cocktail shaker. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, just, yeah. Exactly. So it's the same thing. Yeah. With, so, so that's, that's the TED. Okay. And with the peptides is, I know with some of this stuff, it's not a one and done thing. I mean, I guess with the transplants, it sounds like it is and we'll find out, but is the, peptide treatments and things like that something that you're going to have to probably have some maintenance with yeah so all of these therapies up to this point that are non-invasive need Mm -hmm. to be continued over time there's no one and done set it and forget it damn it right so if you're using laser you got to do that five minutes every night if you're doing the topicals it might be once or twice a day if you're doing an oral treatment you got to continue that if you're doing your nutrition you got to keep up with that if you're doing let's say the ted treatment that's usually a package of three treatments spread a month apart so you do those three treatments we're going to measure your results most patients do great with that for about a year some patients might need a touch-up they may need a booster shot so to speak but eventually you're going to need another series of that to keep up with the hair loss right to keep the hair loss at bay Okay. Treatments like what we do that are, let's just say, a little bit more invasive, meaning that we require local anesthetic like PRP, platelet-rich plasma, using a dual spin process, that's going to be a, a once-a-year treatment for most patients. So that's going to have a boost for 10 to 14 months. So platelet-rich plasma, your listeners may know, is the use of platelet-derived growth factors from a blood sample that's separated through centrifugation, right? concentrated to a very specific hair growth recipe, if you will. So we want to get to 1.5 million platelets per microliter or 1.5 billion per cc. We're going to use a local anesthetic block to make it completely painless. And that's it. that injection is going to occur. You're not going to feel any of those injections throughout the scalp. And, are, and, and are there's microneedling the, at that time. Oh, okay. So are they injected with a needle and microneedling? So it's, it's a layered treatment. So oh, okay. what happens? So, you know, people say, well, I just got my PRP at the Medi Spa. All they did was an injection. They didn't even use local anesthetic. They sent me and sent me out. Well, there's a little bit more nuance after doing like 13,000 PRP treatments. We've gone through so many different preparation protocols. We've measured all of these patients. So we know now what the correct platelet concentration is that we want to get to. We know that everyone comes in with a little bit different platelet concentration in their whole blood. So we tailor the spin to create that sweet spot, 1.5 million per microliter or 1.5 billion per cc. And we know we have to create at least seven and a half or more cc's to get a scalp treatment done. To do the whole scalp? Yeah. The, okay. It's a treatment about 600 square centimeters, which is about okay. the size of the palm of my hand plus my Got fingers, it. that area. Yeah. And so, and we use local anesthetic, so it's painless. I'm, I'm always shocked at how many people tell me they, oh, I had PRP in my local med spot. No, they didn't use any local anesthetic. <laughs> yeah. What are they, barbarians? I mean, That's this is funny. like crazy. When I had it done, I think they used, yeah, they used my uh, adipose and marrow-derived stem cells at Docera Clinic yeah. a couple of years ago. But I was totally under anesthesia. I had no clue. And I just came out. I was like, why is my head all red? You know, that like, mic- oh, yeah, the microneedling in my face. You know, they did the microneedling right. on my face. But yeah, I think, thankfully, I didn't know that was happening. That would be quite uncomfortable, I imagine. Correct. So, yeah. so as I say, it's a layered treatment. So we even do laser therapy on the scalp before we even start. And then, of course, there's an antiseptic wash or shampoo that's performed. And the mapping and the photos and the measurements that we do, the local anesthetic goes in at the same time that we're doing the spin. And so the dual spin process gets us to that high-dose, well-concentrated, platelet-rich plasma with also some of the white blood cells that are helpful. 
Oh, so there's, okay. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that the way that we spin also actually contains some of the white blood cells, which I would just say are more like stem cell-like. They tend to be like helper cells for mm-hmm. tissue regeneration and repair, and we preserve that in the spin. Oh, cool. Is as that well to as, kind of help it heal up faster? And just yeah. So then sealed? the injection occurs. Then we're going to microneedle with some growth factors on the outside of the skin at the same time. So everything, in, everything that we create in the PRP process, that's injected. And then there's a topical growth factor that's also applied at the time that we do the microneedling. Wow. So there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> you guys are intense, man. Um, you know, the other secret <laughs> I'll give out today is that for many years, we've been using photobiomodulation, which is the use of a variety of wavelengths and colors to treat the syringe before we do the injection. Oh, wow. So we've been doing photobiomodulation or PBMPRP for almost 10 years. And uh, not too many people know that. So I just released it. Well, now, it. They, just, now they do. A, yeah, no, a so we just made it a little bit public. You know, one of my secrets. Um, <laughs> well, there's a lot, there's a lot to yeah. be said for that. You know, there's this um, blood irradiation, right? There's this machine, the hemolumen, where you can have your blood yeah. run through it. And then using methylene blue for different things, you hit that with red light. I mean, there's definitely something to the photobiomodulation in terms of even before you put something in your body. No question. Well, they've used actually photobiomodulation for stem cell therapy to activate stem cells, to release growth factors. And that does the same with platelets. So we know that those specific wavelengths of light have an impact on the live cells and the cell fragments, which are platelets. So there's definitely some impact there. There's mitochondria there that work and do things. Uh, So there is some kind of cytokine release that occurs more effectively when you do treat with the photobiomodulation. That's very cool. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, And then the PDO grow. So the PDO grow is like the next step. So that's, so PDO grow. There's more steps above what you just said. That sounds sounds badass already. Well, that PRP, which I just described, that's our basic PRP. Oh, okay. That's basic, man. That's what we've been doing for like, you know, 12,000 treatments in 15 years. Okay. PDO Grow has been around for about six years or so. And that's the use of everything we just talked about with the addition of polydioxinone threads. So those are absorbable synthetic material that's FDA cleared. You put it right in under the skin while it's numb and it dissolves slowly over six or 12 months. And that creates a scaffold, if you will, under the skin that the body works on. And you've done the PRP at the same time. And those two things together give you another big boost of hair regrowth. Wow. A little bit stronger, maybe even a little bit longer than just the plain PRP alone. That's interesting. That's like um, robotic kind of, you know, superhuman stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. A lot of people know those threads from the changes that, that cosmetic surgeons will do, like for wrinkle reduction and things like that. They'll put those threads in the skin ah, okay. or to pull the skin in different ways for tightening purposes. Obviously, we're not looking to tighten your scalp. Yeah. We're not really interested so much in the collagen production. We're more interested in the growth factor release and also the new blood vessel formation. And that's what happens with PDO Grow. Okay. So that's kind of like the upgraded version of PRP. Also takes just about an hour and there's really no recovery or downtime from that either. Your scalp will be a little bit pink, a little bit numb for a yeah. couple hours and that's it. But you're not, you're not walking out with stitches. No. Uh, I, I mentioned methylene blue and yeah. have you ever heard of that being used in conjunction with any sort of hair protocols? No, I'm not super familiar yeah. with that. But uh, if you've got some information, I'll I don't, have it. I don't yet, it. but yeah, it just seems to do so many things that yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't somehow crossed your path because it just, 
I, I keep just hearing more and more benefits of it. It's just such a strange and fascinating compound. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not sure what the effect would that be on hair. One growth. effect for sure would be it would turn your whole damn head blue <laughs> yeah. for, for quite a while, probably a few weeks. So I can maybe hear. that's why we haven't heard of it. That could be the um, reason, yeah. In terms of the, okay, so we covered the peptides, the PRP, the PDO grow. What about uh, placental matrix, exosomes, mm. stem cells, the, the kind of next level of, uh, of those type of compounds? Yeah. So um, placental matrix or perinatal biologics have been available for many, many years, and that's included with our PRP. Oh, okay. So we do that as our standard. Uh, the placental tissue as a biologic scaffold, right? As opposed to what the polydioxinone is, which is a synthetic scaffold. So in regenerative medicine, you have cells, signals, and scaffolds. And that's kind of like the troika or triad, if you will, that makes things work in the field of regenerative medicine. So we learned that early on and the placental derived uh, tissues were essential in potentiating and prolonging the effects of the PRP. So we've done that. Okay. Um, exosome therapy is really the rising star, right? Because we're talking about nanoscience now. Exosomes are, if, if your listeners are not clear on that, these are the little messages that come off of cells. And we're interested really in the messages from stem cells and how they tell the body to repair, rejuvenate, and restore function and form. And so stem cells can be, as you know, harvested from your bone marrow, your adipose tissue, but exosomes can come from anywhere. You know, there are exosomes in breast milk, you know, in semen, in urine, you name it. There are exosomes all over the place in your blood. There are platelet exosomes. That's what contain the growth factors. So exosomes is just a general name for these little bubbles that are very tiny, that used to be thought of as just cellular waste. And now we know these are important communication messages in a bottle, if you will, that come off of cells by the billions to tell other cells what to do. Sometimes in the local area, sometimes distant. Got it. So these are the messengers. Yeah. Okay, so cool. like, how does a stem cell that goes into a you know, injured knee or joint or whatever, how does it tell the area to do what it does? You know, Because the stem cell doesn't really become any part of the knee, but it executes the repair. Well, how does it do that? Well, the secretome, the stuff it gives off is what tells the body to rejuvenate. That's exosomes. Okay, cool. So that's cool. what we're after. Yeah. Right? So today, if you're not really interested in you know, getting your bone marrow or fat harvested to get a stem cell therapy, then we can go to a laboratory and find one that is basically creating exosomes with the correct payload, correct concentration, sterilized and purified and quantified and then frozen, and they send that to us. So exosomes come in little vials. 50 billion in a vial that's smaller than my pinky. Wow. And that can be applied to the scalp. And so at this moment, let's call it topically applied exosomes. We could do it with TED, as we talked about. We can apply exosomes that way. There are other ways to apply exosomes under the skin. Okay, cool, cool. Then you mentioned a couple times the the laser and the red light, and I was looking uh, at your booth again and saw I've seen like red light little helmets, mm -hmm. you know, but yours is like super hardcore. It was like lighting up your whole booth. So whatever that thing is, it's doing something. Yeah. Uh, what's the kind of evolution of of laser treatment, red light? directly on the scalp and you know how does that work how effective is it does it need to be combined with some of these other things right. in, in conjunction or would that alone do anything for you so two decades ago i would have told you there's no way that red light would do anything on the skin nobody taught me that in medical school but what the heck are you guys talking about photosynthesis is for plants well no 
Today, we know that red light has a very powerful effect on animal cells and especially the mitochondria. And, we, and they've figured out exactly how that works. How does red light change the function of the mitochondrial membrane to create more ATP and change the gene expression in hundreds of different genes to create a cascade of not just energy, but anti-inflammation and pro-survival and anti-apoptosis, which is cell death. So there's like all of these things that happen from red light therapy that we know about today that we didn't know before. On the scalp, you want to apply red light therapy, which is a great non-chemical, non-invasive, no side effect treatment with the correct dose. Unfortunately, what you've described is that you've seen over the evolution of these devices, now we have the, a plethora of consumer devices, which are out there in the marketplace, Amazon and whatnot, that are just very weak, very clunky. I mean, yes, you can get a result from them, but it's like, you know, it's like driving a Honda instead of a Lexus. I mean, it's a different level. You want something with a little bit more horsepower. You want something that's going to be a quicker treatment, get you there faster something that's going to treat all of the areas of the scalp, not just a spot treatment. And that's what we've designed in the turbo laser cap. So the Bauman turbo laser cap is the premier device on the market. We worked with Dr. Michael Rabin and his team of engineers and scientists to re-envision and re-engineer the laser cap. He's the original inventor of the cap. Oh, wow. It was the laser. And so Dr. Rabin and I working closely, we developed that, what you see as the turbo laser cap, which is completely collapsible. So it's totally portable. It has over 300 laser diodes in it. It has a five minute treatment time. It has a rechargeable battery pack nice. and it has a lifetime warranty. So hopefully it'll be the last one you ever need as opposed to these Amazon ones, which are, yeah, sure. They're a lot less expensive, but they're basically like disposable. They're going to crack and break and they're not going to fit in your luggage. And I gonna... like the rechargeable thing too, because I, yeah. I would prefer to not put something plugged in on my head for very long. <laughs> we were talking about EMFs earlier. A lot of these health devices, I mean, they're starting to figure it out, but a lot of them also have some negative effects because you're plugging your head into the wall. Oh my gosh. Well, there's plenty of lasers that are out there, again, in the consumer realm that you literally have to sit in a chair and plug it into the wall yeah. for it to work. And you're just sitting there with all of that going Bad on. Idea. So having a portable battery pack that you can you know recharge when you're not near it is important and then use it and having a quick treatment time. So you're not under this treatment for 20 or 30 minutes. It's literally five minutes. You're done. That's cool. So That's I do it cool. at night, right before bed. I find the red light to be soothing, relaxing, yeah. as you can imagine. And of course I feel that pulsation of uh, circulation in the scalp, especially if I've applied a topical with it at the same time. With this, what's, what's it called? Your turbo? Bauman turbo laser cap. Turbo laser cap. Yeah. And can a consumer just go buy that from you or do they have to be one of your patients and like go through well, your Well, so treatment? we do have it on our e-store at oh, baumanmedical.com. Okay. They can go there, shop.baumanmedical.com and see that and purchase it. And actually, when they purchase that device, it comes with a consultation. Oh, okay, cool. So I don't recommend that people, you know, do this without guidance. Because, you know, sometimes they're going to miss the mark and they may become disappointed or they may not realize they have underlying conditions that could have been rectified to improve their situation. So I always tell the general public, really, just get a consultation yeah. so you know what the situation is. Get a correct diagnosis because a lot can be learned in a very short period of time. I mean, 30-minute call on Zoom and I learn everything I need to know about your medical history that could be impacting your hair. How, do, how can I do that in 30 minutes? Well, it's because I've done it like 30,000 times. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Let's hope you figured it out by now. Yeah, I figured it out. Yeah. My parents say it's a 25-year overnight success. That's so they figured funny. it out. Yeah, I figured That's it out. That's funny.
Let's take a moment to do a little mental evaluation, shall we? How sharp do you feel on a daily basis? Do you struggle with brain fog or have difficulty focusing? Is it hard to recall names, dates, or where you left stuff? If so, I have some really good news for you. Newtopia, which is powered by optimizers, has created a new one-of-a-kind product called Collagenius. This stuff is rad. It combines collagen, protein, and cacao with four different medicinal mushrooms, lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. I personally take this stuff every morning. It tastes amazing in my protein smoothie, sort of like a chocolate milkshake, or some days I'll just add a scoop to my coffee for a powerful brain-boosting mocha. It is awesome. But more important than the great taste, my friends, is that Collagenius legit fights brain fog, helps repair your brain, improves your ability to focus, and boosts something called BDNF, which supports improved learning and memory power. If you want to max out your mental performance and mood, this is a no-brainer, pun intended, of course. For an exclusive offer for you Lifestylist listeners, go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the promo code LUKE10 during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. Again, your link is newtopia, that's N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A, newtopia.com slash lukegenius, and the promo code is LUKE10. And you can also click this link in the show notes on most podcast player apps. All right, then let's get into the actual transplants, you know, and to some people listening, they're probably thinking about 20 years ago, whenever it was, and you would look, you know, walk up to someone and you're like, oh man, he has really bad implants. Like it would just look like little slugs. Yeah. Yeah. Plugs, right? Where it just doesn't look natural and you almost think, ah, you might as well just let it go. You know what I mean? Because it just looks Nobody wants to look worse than the natural condition, (laughs) right? right? That's like the worst nightmare, right? You have a cosmetic defect, you're looking older, and then all of a sudden you've taken some action and it looks awful and terrible. Why would you ever do that? Well, that's the thought that I had, you know, over 25 years ago when I first met a patient who had had a hair transplant. But then I looked at him, I'm like, where, like, where did you have your transplant? And, you know, he told me that the frontal hairline had been transplanted. I'm like, wow, it looks 100% natural. And he said, that was the idea. So that's how I got interested. Oh, cool. Yeah. In addition to how it changed his life. So right? take us back to kind of the, the inception of the hair transplant. Yeah. Was it, I, I have a sense, probably a bit more primitive and if not barbaric in the beginning? I remember yeah. people would be missing part of their skin in the back of their neck and yeah. weird stuff like that. So hair transplantation in the U.S. goes back to the 1950s and 60s when Dr. Orntrak first did hair plugs. So those, imagine the instrument to take a punch of skin that was about the size of a diameter of pencil eraser, right? That's a big plug of skin that contained 30 or 40 hair follicles. And he would swap out the bald spots with those plugs of hair. And so what you got was this like cornrow appearance that was very unusual looking. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden had those back in the seventies. Go look it up. You can see, you can see the plugs I'm, when his hair was I'm dark. I'm sure he did. Yeah. And so the technology evolved, obviously, into the 80s and 90s into strip harvesting because the technology worked, right? The idea, the concept is that we're taking the hairs that are immune to male pattern or female pattern hair loss and from the back of the scalp, that's where they're DHT immune, and we move them into the thinning or the balding area where they'll live and grow forever. So that's the whole idea. His was a proof of concept that it worked, but it just didn't look great. So the plugs evolved into a strip harvest. So the old style strip harvest was literally the removal of a strip of scalp and then the gap was sewn shut. So you'd have these stitches or staples in the back of your head and that would leave you with a linear scar. Still, 
it worked, right? You got the follicles, which then needed to be dissected under the microscope and implanted, hopefully in an artistic way so that it would look normal and natural. And again, they would live and grow there forever. Well, back in around, let's say, late 1999, early 2000s, myself, along with a number of other physicians, maybe about six or eight of us around the world, were pioneering a newer technique to try to take the follicles and the follicular units, which are the natural groupings of hairs, out of the scalp one at a time. How do we get those follicles out without having to use a scalpel or stitches? How do we take the follicle by itself without having to worry about a visible linear scar being left behind? And that technique evolved into what we call follicular unit extraction or FUE. Some people call it today follicular unit excision, but you still have to get the follicle out. So you have to extract it at some point. And so all of that technology started really, really slow, meaning that we couldn't move a lot of hair. It was not very efficient. It wasn't super accurate, but over time we got better and better and better. And then 2000, and then there were some new mechanical devices. I'll give you a name. Mineograft, for example, was one of the first mechanical tools that really accelerated our speed and accuracy, basically because it was look, it looked and designed like a dental drill. So you had ergonomic features and functions. It was smaller, less invasive, minimal depth, things like that. And that totally superseded like some of the manual devices that I created uh, way back in the day, like the Bauman Mindex, which was the first commercially available device to help surgeons get the follicles out one at a time. Obviously getting to a mechanical tool was a quantum leap. And then robotic devices came on the market, FDA approved in 2011. And we were one of the first to have robotic FUE, follicular unit extraction in the practice. And today we don't use the robot as much. It doesn't really harvest in all the areas that we need to get to. But we're using manual tools uh, to take hair follicles, not just from the scalp, but we can also harvest beard follicles, body hair if we need to. But the most important thing is that this minimally invasive procedure, obviously less invasive, quicker recovery, less downtime, less pain. You can be back, back in the gym in three or four days. All of that means nothing if you don't do it with an artistic eye. Right. So that's the key to the whole thing. Okay. And that's the problem now that you're seeing that there's a lot of FUE volume of procedures out there, especially overseas. And we can talk about Turkey and things like that, where so many of those cases are coming back and the hairline is a straight line all the way across the head. (laughs) Or they've used the guy's entire donor zone to create like an inch or two of hair in the front. I mean, and the hair is sticking out like porcupine. These are disasters that many times cannot be fixed. And that doesn't even go into the fact that they don't give any post-op care and the risk of infection and all these other factors. Right. So there, they, they're there... bleeding on the airplanes coming back oh, to the, wherever they came from. So is this kind of a medical tourism thing? Like when yeah. stem cells were less widely available, people would be going to Panama and Mexico. Yeah. And... So in Turkey, there's no regulations. You don't have to be a doctor to do a hair transplant. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's just- Go to just... your local rug maker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's gnarly. Yeah, so it's okay. a little crazy. I mean, look, there are okay. good quality physicians out there, but, sure. um, you know, it's the Wild West. Okay. So that's interesting. I wonder why that, that kind of emerged in, uh, in Turkey. Well, it had the support of the government. So uh, okay. the government will actually pay for the flights for the people to come in. The clinics pay a fee to the government. So okay. the, the government's in on it essentially. Uh, okay. So there's a lot of different factors, you know, economic downturn in the area. The Turkish lira, I think, is, you know, really gone down a lot over the years, I think. So they were looking to increase that medical tourism. And, you know, they're hoping that, you know, maybe they package it in with some restaurants and hotels and things like that. I mean, uh, I, I don't okay. know. Okay. But it's it's basically like Wild West, you know, 
types of, of things going on. Got you know, it. I mean, look, women go to Costa Rica for boob jobs and liposuction and things like that. And they can sometimes come back to the U.S. with severe infections and, and things that, that the local plastic surgeons don't even want to treat or touch because there's no way to fix it. So you don't want that to happen with your hair transplant. Yeah. So does not, people don't necessarily have to come to me. There are other board-certified hair restoration physicians. There are other people in the list of top hair surgeons in the world. You know, there are others that are recommended by American Hair Loss Association or International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgery, American Board of Hair Restoration Surgery. These are all places to go to find lists of folks and that you want to do your due diligence. You want to compare. All right, lifestylists, I've got an insanely cool resource for you. It's a breathwork app called Othership. And uh, I got to say, I am really into this thing. I've been doing breath work for ages, but to be honest, if I really want to do some deep work, it's much more difficult to do without guidance. I mean, it's not called breath work for nothing, right? It takes some discipline, but much less so with a killer soundscape and expert guide leading you. With over 500 custom guided breathwork sessions, the Othership Breathwork app lets you access an on-demand library of sessions to help you regulate your nervous system and take your consciousness to the next level. The Othership journeys are science-backed and very music-driven, so whether you have time to practice for one minute or 60, you're going to feel an emotional shift when you need it most. Another cool thing about Othership is that they have sessions for the beginner to the most advanced practitioner, and some of the longer sessions are downright psychedelic, only legal and safe. And to start 2023 off with a bang, they just launched a 31-day guided cold plunge challenge on the app. It's got 31 custom breathwork sessions for the cold plunge, to empower people to build a cold practice to maximize the mental, physical, and emotional health benefits available from consistent cold exposure. So you can play it to cool down in an ice bath or your bathtub, shower, or your favorite cold body of water. To get you started with Othership, we've got you hooked up with a free trial for the whole month of January. Just visit othership.us slash Luke to activate your account. This is an incredible tool, you guys, and one that is long overdue. Again, to try it out this month for free, go to othership.us slash Luke. Okay. And if you're ending up and you've tried, maybe someone's exhausted some of these other options, or they don't even want to try this, they're just like, put me in the chair, fix me, doc. You're looking at a, a fairly permanent or, or permanent permanent restoration of that hair if you move that follicle from you know a place where it's never going to be lost are you good to go and, and is that hair going to grow like a normal hair yeah that once that hair is living and growing in that area it's immune to male pattern hair loss because of where it's been harvested from so it's durable it's lasting now things can happen over the course of your life medications and illness and stress and sure, things like sure. that that can affect all of your hair right okay but male pattern hair loss is not going to affect that transplanted hair again Wow. But in order to make your full result lasting, you need to protect the other hair. Because let's just say we're transplanting the new hairline back for you. Well, you've got some hair up in the frontal zone. That hair is at risk. I'm going oh, right. to go between those hairs to densify it, right? right? But what if you lose those other ones over the next five or 10 years? Well, then I need to come back and transplant again. Right. So right. the best plan of action is taking this approach, which I think is the best. There's this prevention, protection, and then the restoration that occurs. And then the tracking of it over time. Right. And that's the key to the whole thing. That's why patients are happy. How did you develop the artistic knack that you have? 
Good question. Well, I was mentored very early on by a plastic surgeon, a very prominent plastic surgeon on the Upper East Side of Manhattan when I was a teenager. And he always said to me, no matter what kind of procedure you're doing, if you want to engage art, you have to be a student of nature. And so I always remember that. And so if you're going to recreate a hairline, you need to know what a natural hairline looks like. And a hairline is not just the hair on the top of your forehead, but it's also, for example, the hair on the side, on the temples. We call this the temporal point area. And so if we're going to do a hairline and the temporal points have receded, we have to build that forward as well. So I think it's just being a student of Mother Nature, looking at youthful hairlines, looking at all the different types of hairlines. Well, how does Mother Nature create a cowlick, a widow's peak, receded look? from a time that someone is young or more flatter or ethnic hairline, you know, looking at all of these things and then looking at the patient's anatomy, using all of the sights and sounds, right? As we say, so, you know, you might have you bite down near your jaw to find out where the temporalis muscle attaches to the bone, right? That'll reveal the temporal point. Raise your eyebrows to see where the hairline used to be. Look for little hairs under the microscope and see, you know, where the hairs were, Look at their direction under the microscope. So you need good lighting. You need good right. microscopy. You need to be attentive to detail. Right. That's the whole thing. I mean, if you put the hair in like a porcupine, yeah. it's going to look terrible. Yeah. I think, right. I think that's the thing I'm kind of really in awe about the work that you do is as someone who has a very difficult time with very tedious detailed work, I'm like broad broad stroke kind of artist, you know, I guess throw the thing. <laughs> yeah. When I think about just, you know, the, oh, just the tedious nature of like, well, put one in, put another one in, you yeah. know, it just seems so slow. And uh, so, so you have so to be remember, so deliberate, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess the phases of hair restoration in terms of the transplant procedure, there's the, the way that I perform it is I make all of the recipient sites at the same time. Oh, okay. So it's not like okay. a stick in place. Got it. So I'm going to okay. make all the recipient sites. And that's kind of like, I always think of it like a puzzle. And I always did a lot of puzzles when I was little. I also did a lot of like plastic models, you know, like yeah. glue and paint and stuff. This, expl this explains know? my fascination with you because if you made me put a puzzle together, I would probably throw this table over the balcony. Like yeah. I would get so frustrated after the first three pieces. Yeah. Know? So yeah, we, my family, I guess when I was little, my dad and I, we, you know, we always did like projects like that. You know, my dad's a dentist and uh, he's still practicing after 50 years, still in New Jersey. So a guy that knows detail work also. Yeah. So his life, yeah. his work is right in this small space. Right. And I yeah. guess I inherited some of that. And my yeah. mom was a teacher and an oil painter as well. So I think what do you get when you cross an oil painter with a dentist you a <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah i don't know yeah, that's yeah. how it worked out i guess that, yeah because you you're know? working in a small space and you're doing something that does require some artistic vision right yeah, yeah. it's not just mechanistic but it, but it but that's what's so fun about what i do so there's two parts right so there's the okay. puzzle part of it which is the physical work of making the angles and the positioning so that eventually when the hair grows in it looks amazing right so that's like the landscaper planting the trees and then six months later he looks at the result right so the payoff six 12 months later i get a chance to see the result right evaluate it and i'm critical very self-critical about the results as I want to, if I want to make changes to it, you know, of course I'll talk to the patient about that. But then also I get this amazing benefit from the patient, right? Whose hopefully life has been changed for the better from the restoration. They're looking better. They're feeling better. You know, they were concerned enough to undergo a procedure to fix this. Hopefully I've accomplished the goal or gotten them towards their goal. Awesome. And that's the payout. That's yeah. the payout for me. Totally. Yeah. yeah. My former life here in LA, I was a fashion stylist. So I 
dressed um, celebrities and musicians and stuff for music videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's all this work that goes into it up front, which is really kind of stressful. I mean, it's, there's creativity involved, but I mean, it's a lot of running around and traffic and right. logistics and budgets and all that. But that that moment when you turn on the TV and see your actress walking the red carpet or you go to the newsstand and pick up the magazine that you style, like there is something really satisfying about seeing the finished product Yeah, when you put, you know, a lot of work in, especially tedious or stressful or both. Right. Well, what about when you did that for your clients and like, you know, they come in disheveled, whatever, ragged off the street and then you like style them, you put them in all those clothes and makeup, whatever hair, and then you like turn the mirror around, right? Yeah. Do they they have to light up? Totally. Right? Well, you hope so. Right? I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, when you finally nail it, right? Well, the difference between what you're doing is you get kind of one shot at it, or at least yeah. one shot per procedure. Yeah. With me, you know, you turn them around and they're like, ah, I don't like this dress or these shoes, you know. And then, but when you find the one, when you okay. nail it, yeah, your client's like, oh my God, I didn't know I could look like this. Right. You know, so that's, that's more instant gratification. So I'm a little yeah. bit jealous about that, yeah. that you can instantly change that around, yeah. you know, whereas my work, it just has a a longer feedback loop you know it just takes longer to do yeah that's very cool man well geez oh no i thought we're done there's one more question for you what about eyebrows and eyelashes yeah so wherever there's hair we're there man you know so eyebrow loss can happen from trauma from injury and we've done a lot of those cases pro bono you know someone attacked by a dog or a car accident happens you know and it removes the eyebrow area creates scar or they've had some kind of a radiation therapy i did a young girl pro bono who had radiation uh for cancer and her eyebrow and eyelashes were completely obliterated and so we use the hair follicles from the back of the scalp to restore the look in, and the shape of the eyebrow area. And I can also do eyelash transplants for women. I was Really? Uh, yeah, I was the wow. first, you know, board certified hair restoration physician to do a live surgery w- regional workshop actually here in Los Angeles. I'm trying to think of the year now. Maybe it was like 2006 or something like that where we actually taught physicians from all over the world, 12 different countries how to do eyelash transplants using this very innovative technique. Wow. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, that's one of my claims to fame is eyelash transplant surgery. Again, taking the follicles from the back of the scalp and implanting them one, two, or three at a time into the eyelid. Is the person awake when you're doing this? Yeah, they're awake, a little sedated, relaxed, okay. <laughs> you know. Um, they're not knocked out okay. at all. Like a um, little bit of ketamine or something? I'm just, no. I'm imagining that to be a little uncomfortable. It's actually know. not so bad. Okay. Literally, to numb the lid because the skin is so thin, it it takes only about 20 to 30 seconds to numb the lid. Ah, okay. And so there's a careful uh, technique that we use uh, with an injection process with a computerized syringe. Really? Yeah. To actually inject that area carefully and safely, of course. And yeah. then there's a really nuanced technique that I learned from a Brazilian plastic surgeon who's out of Sao Paulo, who is my eyelash transplant mentor. And I ended up taking his technique a little bit further. He was implanting one lash at a time. And I ended up doing a few different things differently. I ended up doing two or three lashes per insertion. And now I can take the eyelash grafts from the back of the scalp without trimming any hair. So we don't have to cut that linear scar or cut out a strip to get a linear scar anymore. Wow. We can actually take the follicles without trimming any hair. Damn. But that's rad. eyelash and eyebrow transplantation come with scissors. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because it, gro- yeah, it grows super that long. Yeah, funny. yeah. So you have to curl the lashes or trim the brows. I bet women like would be stoked though, because they could have long ass lashes. You yeah, know? so we call it like the Hollywood look, right? Yeah, it's when yeah. it's like really, really long. And in fact, there's a whole cottage industry for perming and curling lashes. I, um, yes. The woman who checked me in here at the hotel, her eyelashes, I complimented her. I mean, they were 
I'm, I want to say they were like a half inch long. You know, they're like okay. huge. So unless yeah. she had an eyelash transplant, no, um, I, I think they were. She was probably. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, she's probably wearing falsies, right? Yes, so yes. fake eyelashes, right? Yes, yes. So that's you know, of course, another thing. All right, man. Well, listen, I think we did it. I got one last question for you. Who are three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life that you'd like to share with us? Mm. Well, first of all, I have to say that probably the biggest influence, and we, we're here at the Biohacking Conference, just in terms of my changes in health over time has been Dave Asprey. Years ago, when I met him at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine in Vegas, this is probably in 2015, 2016, I saw him for the first time in keynote address and he was talking about, you know, butter coffee and dieting, things like that. I'm like, butter coffee, like, what is this all about? And within about six months, I was actually, I was trying it. And it was at the advice of my personal trainer who was trying to help me kind of get more in shape at that time. And uh, that was a big change for me. And so kind of stepping me on the path from what I had, I've been thought I'd been doing like, you know, health stuff for like 15 years, going to the A4M, American Academy of Anti-Aging, you know, that I was on the path. Well, I wasn't. Um, but, you know, this new path of biohacking kind of t- t- taught me to take it deeper. So that's been a huge influence on me and just um, introducing me to podcasts and things like that, you know, and really just experimentation, see what works. And of course, as you know, all the wearables and things like that, the lifestyle changes that we make, uh, it's just been an incredible journey. And, you know, just kind of bolting on things that work and removing things that don't and trying things. It's like a, always a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm familiar with the tinkering yeah, you speak of. Yeah, so always tinkering. And uh, so I do thank Dave for that. And of course, he became a patient of ours. And so I was super excited to do his hair transplant, uh, have him in the chair to keep his hair looking good until he's 180. Yeah. I just hope to be around <laughs> right, right. as long as that to be yeah. able to take care of his hair when it's 180, right. you know? So, I mean, I plan to ski when I'm 130, so maybe I'll get at least most of the way there. So that's probably the main one. Um, my dad was a huge influence on me, obviously. You know, he taught me a work ethic and obviously still in practice, as I said before, 50 years of doing his thing. But also, he was actually one of the, people that introduced me to alternative medicine. And so way back when, when I was an intern in general surgery, you know, cut it out, suck it out, burn it out. He told me, my dad always had kind of us other businesses, uh, everything from ad specialty items to health and wellness, actually. In addition to his dental practice, he told me he was getting involved with a business that was based out of Japan that was making devices that were magnets for pain. And And I probably didn't hear him correctly. And I said, what are you doing? He's like, well, biomagnetic. Uh, treatments. And I said, MRIs? And he's like, no, no, no. These are, these are static magnets that you put on the outside of your body and they, they affect people's pain. I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. You know, that can't work. What, what, you know, what's the physiology of that? You know, no one ever taught me that in medical school because, you know, I'm, of course, graduated within a year, right? So I thought I knew yeah. everything. And he's like, okay, well, stay tuned. Anyway, so what I learned is that and I, of course, I became a user of those products, magnetic insoles, and I used the static magnets for, for headaches and things like that through my residency. I became aware that there were things maybe outside of my medical training that actually had a physiologic effect on my body and other people's bodies, especially in areas of pain. Yeah. So, I, you know, it, that, that was just an eye-opening thing where you think like you graduated medical school and you're doing surgery at, you know, a top hospital in New York City that you just know everything about medicine when actually probably the opposite is true. They've basically focused and guided you down into some tiny little corner. And so, you know, that's why I always encourage my colleagues, you know, who poo-pooed laser light therapy. And now, of course, we've got the metadata analysis of all those clinical studies that show that it worked. Well, 
I tried it out like 20 years ago and it worked, but now we have the data to support it. <laughs> PRP. Oh, PRP, ah, it doesn't work. Well, yeah, it does, but you got to use the right dosage and things like that. You know, hair transplants, you're going to go do plugs? What? No, I think that there's a way that we can do this to make it look natural, artistic, you know, so it doesn't look like something artificially created. And so, you know, I think that's important things that, uh, that my dad taught me. And uh, for my mom, the artistry and, and the empathy, you know, the compassion for patients. Yeah. So, awesome, you know, man. those are my three heroes, I would say. If I can add a fourth, then it would be my wife because she's the yin to my yang. Uh, yeah. She's the, <laughs> you're the high Virgo energy dude. Discipline. Like just the work that you're doing, I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah you're so, prolific. So she is the solid support, the cement that holds the family together, you know, really the the lion's share of the work in terms of like raising the two boys, you know, now we're empty nesters. And so it's a, it's a really exciting time, but keeping everything all together, allowing me to be so engaged in the work that I do, but also have that family balance at the same time. Awesome. And so thanks for sharing that. that. Be, You're making me miss my wife, man. Uh, <laughs> let's give her a call. Let's yeah, FaceTime. Yeah, I will. I, I I'm going to do it right after. Yeah. I should do that on the podcast sometime. Yeah. Hey, so hi. thank you, Karen. Yeah. For everything that you do. Right on, right on. Well, man, thank you so much. I know you got people to see, places to be. I appreciate you taking the time today, man. I learned a lot and I'm so happy I finally got to cover this. Like, I feel very comprehensively this topic that I've just kind of touched on here and there. But I always like to find like the man or the woman that's going to like deliver the whole package. So thank you so much. Well, um, well, we just scratched the surface today, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. My pleasure. Great to be here. Well, thanks for being my co-pilot on another journey into the ever-fascinating world of the human body. My wish for every episode is that you as the listener walk away with a new arsenal of useful information. And if you know someone losing their hair who'd prefer to keep it, make sure to share this episode with them. And for those of you wanting a deeper dive right now, you can find all booking and hair restoration product info, again, at lukestory.com slash Bauman. That's B-A-U-M-A-N. And you'll get that free consultation if you get one of their turbo laser caps. And I got to say, this thing looks insanely cool. And uh, it's very likely going to be the next item added to my personal wellness box as a 52-year-old guy whose hair is getting a little on the thin side. All right, next week, we're hitting you with number 457, featuring Garnett Dupuis from Neurovisor. It's called Get High on Your Own Supply, How to Access Altered States Within Using Light and Sound. And here's a hot tip for you. Make sure to get on the email list right now. So next week's show and every show to follow will be in your inbox waiting for you every Tuesday morning. Go to lukestory.com newsletter. Thanks for listening and may your hair last forever. forever.